Hey, this is Tammy Rose of TranscendentalConquer.com, and this is the first part of the last chapter, Conclusion. And I will have Walden takeaways after my commentary. Um, and I think I rescued that piece that I had recorded on the actual beach of Walden as well. So come on and take a listen while we still have time on our hands. Chapter 18 Conclusion To the sick, the doctors wisely recommend a change of air and scenery. Thank heaven, here is not all the world. The buckeye does not grow in New England, and the mockingbird is rarely heard here. (laughs) The wild goose is more of a cosmopolite than we. He breaks his fast in Canada, takes a luncheon in the Ohio, and plumes himself for the night in a southern bayou. Even the bison, to some extent, keep pace with the seasons, cropping the pastures of the Colorado only till a greener and sweeter grass awaits him by the Yellowstone. Yet we think that if rail fences are pulled down and stone walls piled up on our farms, bounds are henceforth set to our lives and our fates decided. If you are chosen town clerk, forsooth, you cannot go to Terra del Fuego this summer, but you may go to the land of infernal fire nevertheless. The universe is wider than our views of it. Yet we should oftener look over the tafferel of our craft like curious passengers and not make the voyage like stupid sailors picking oakum. The other side of the globe is but the home of our correspondent. Our voyage is only great circle sailing, and the doctors prescribe for diseases of the skin merely. One hastens to southern Africa to chase the giraffe, but surely that is not the game he would be after. How long, pray, would a man hunt giraffes if he could? Snipes and woodcocks also may afford rare sport, but I trust it would be nobler game to shoot oneself Direct your eye right inward, and you'll find a thousand regions in your mind yet undiscovered. Travel them and be expert in home cosmography. What does Africa, what does the West stand for? Is not our own interior white on the chart, black though it may prove like the coast when discovered? Is it the source of the Nile or the Niger or the Mississippi or a northwest passage around this continent that we could find? Are these the problems which most concern mankind? Is Franklin the only man who is lost that his wife should be so earnest to find him? Does Mr. Grinnell know where he himself is? Be rather the Mungo Park, the Lewis and Clark and Frobisher of your own dreams and oceans. Explore your own higher latitudes with shiploads of preserved meats to support you if they be necessary. And pile the empty cans sky high for a sign. Were preserved meats invented to preserve meat merely? Nay, be a Columbus to the whole continents and worlds within you, opening new channels, not of trade but of thought. Every man is the lord of a realm beside which the earthly empire of the Tsar is but a petty state, a hummock left by the ice. Yet some can be patriotic who have no self-respect and sacrifice the greater to the less. 
They love the soil which makes their graves, but have no sympathy with the spirit which may still animate their clay. Patriotism is a maggot in their heads. What was the meaning of the South Sea exploring expedition with all its parade and expense, but an indirect recognition of the fact that there are continents and seas in the moral world to which every man is an isthmus or an inlet, yet unexplored by him, but that it is easier to sail many thousand miles through cold and storm and cannibals in a government ship with 500 men and boys to assist one than it is to explore the private sea, the Atlantic and Pacific Ocean of one's being alone. Eret et extremos alter scrucitur ibiros, plus habit hic vitae, plus habit illi vii. Let him wander and scrutinize the outlandish Australians. I have more of God, they have more of the road. It is not worth the while to go round the world to count the cats in Zanzibar. Yet do this even till you can do better. And you may perhaps find some simmy's hole by which to get at the island inside at last. England and France, Spain and Portugal, Gold Coast and Slave Coast all front on this private sea, but no bark from them has ventured out of sight of land, though it is without doubt the direct way to India. If you would learn to speak all tongues and conform to the custom uh, the customs of all nations, if you would travel farther than all travelers, be naturalized in all climes and cause the sphinx to dash her head against a stone, even obey the precept of the old philosopher and explore thyself. Herein are demanded the eye and the nerve. Only the defeated and deserters go to the wars, cowards that run away and enlist. Start now on that farthest western way, which does not pause at the Mississippi or the Pacific, nor conduct towards a worn-out China or Japan, but leads on direct a tangent to this sphere, summer and winter, day and night, sun down, moon down, and at last earth down too. It is said that Mirabeau took to highway robbery to ascertain what degree of resolution was necessary in order to place oneself in formal opposition to the most sacred laws of society. He declared that a soldier who fights in the ranks does not require half so much courage as a footpad, that honor and religion have never stood in the way of a well-considered and a firm resolve. This was manly as the world goes, and yet it was idle, if not desperate. A saner man would have found himself often enough in formal opposition to what are deemed the most sacred laws of society, through obedience to yet more sacred laws, and so have tested his resolution without going out of his way. It is not for a man to put himself in such an attitude to society, but to maintain himself in whatever attitude he finds himself through obedience to the laws of his being, which will never be one of opposition to a just government if he should chance to meet with such. I left the woods for as good a reason as I went there. Perhaps it seemed to me that I had several more lives to live and could not spare any more time for that one. It is remarkable how easily and insensibly we fall into a particular route and make a beaten track for ourselves. I had, lived the, I had not lived there a week before my feet wore a path from my door to the pond side. 
and though it is five or six years since I trod it, it is still quite distinct. It is true, I fear that others may have fallen into it, and so helped to keep it open. The surface of the earth is soft and impressible by the feet of men, and so with the paths which the mind travels. How worn and dusty, then, must be the highways of the world, how deep the ruts of tradition and conformity. I did not wish to take a cabin passage, but rather to go before the mast and on the deck of the world, for there I could best see the moonlight amid the mountains. I do not wish to go below now. I learned this, at least, by my experiment, that if one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams and endeavors to live the life which he has imagined, he will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. He will put some things behind, he will pass an invisible boundary, new universal and more liberal laws will begin to establish themselves around and within him, or the old laws will be expanded and interpreted in his favor in a more liberal sense, and he will live with the license of a higher order of beings. In proportion, as he simplifies his life, the laws of the universe will appear less complex, and solitude will not be solitude, nor poverty, poverty, nor weakness, weakness. If you have built castles in the air, your work need not be lost. This is where they should be. Now put the foundations under them. It is a ridiculous demand which England and America make that you shall speak so that they can understand you. Neither men nor toadstools grow so. As if that were important and there were not enough to understand you without them. As if nature could support but one order of, mis- of understandings. Could not sustain birds as well as quadrupeds. Flying as well as creeping things. And hush and who, which bright can understand, were the best English. As if there were safety in stupidity alone. I fear, chiefly, lest my expression may not be extravagant enough, extravagant enough, may not wander far enough beyond the narrow limits of my daily experience, so as to be adequate to the truth of which I have been convinced. Extravagance! It depends on how you are yarded. The migrating buffalo which seeks new pastures in another latitude is not extravagant like the cow which kicks over the pail, leaps the cowyard fence, and runs after her calf in milking time. I desire to speak somewhere without bounds, like a man in a waking moment, to men in their waking moments, for I am convinced that I cannot exaggerate enough even to lay the foundation of a true expression. Who that has heard a strain of music feared then, lest he should speak extravagantly any more forever? In view of the future or possible, we should live quite laxly and undefined in front, our outlines dim and misty on that side, as our shadows reveal an insensible perspiration towards the sun. The volatile truth of our words should continually betray the inadequacy of the residual statement. Their truth is instantly translated. Its literal monument alone remains." 
The words which express our faith and piety are not definite, yet they are significant and fragrant like frankincense to superior natures. Why level downward to our dullest perception always and praise that as common sense? The commonest sense is the sense of men asleep, which they express by snoring. Sometimes we're inclined to class those who are once and a half-witted with the half-witted because we appreciate only a third part of their wit. Some would find fault with the morning red if they never got up early enough. They pretend, as I hear, that the verses of Kabir have four different senses, illusion, spirit, intellect, and the exoteric doctrine of the Vedas. Uh, but in this part of the world, it is considered a ground for complaint if a man's writings admit of more than one interpretation. While England endeavors to cure the potato rot, will not any endeavor to cure the brain rot, which prevails so much more wild, widely and fatally? I do not suppose that I have attained to obscurity, but I should be proud if no more fatal fault were found with my pages on this score than was found with the Walden ice. Southern customers objected to its blue color, which is the evidence of its purity, as if it were muddy, and preferred the Cambridge ice, which is white, but tastes of weeds. The purity men love is like the mists which envelop the earth, and not like the azure ether beyond. Some are dinning in our ears that we are Americans, and moderns generally are intellectual dwarfs compared with the ancients, or even the Elizabethan men. But what is that to the purpose? A living dog is better than a dead lion. Shall a man go and hang himself because he belongs to the race of pygmies and not be the biggest pygmy that he can? Let everyone mind his own business and endeavor to be what he was made. Okay, so that was the first half of the conclusion chapter. Um, I apologize for hesitating or maybe my hesitations were ways to underline certain things. Um, when I started, I was like, oh my God, I am at the last chapter. And uh, I don't know, it suddenly seemed um, important in a different way. And um, hopefully I'm going to get to uh, later. I, right now I'm going to talk specifically about the chapter. Um, but at the end of this, I'm going to talk about the uh, my big takeaways from doing this whole project. I didn't want to save it for the final episode. I wanted to, uh, I had so much to say, but I wanted to make sure to get it out in this one. Um, and also, I uh, there were there were a lot of really famous lines in this section. So I also um, wanted to kind of verbally underline those. But also, um, I think I laughed in a bunch of places too, because... Some of it seems especially silly to me, or not silly, but like his humorous way of pointing things out, um, like common sense and like the most commonest sense is when people are snoring and that's how they express themselves. Like they're, they're expressing their most eloquent, they're expressing themselves most eloquently in a snore, which I think is kind of hysterical. Um, and also just the very beginning. Um, to the sick, the doctors wisely 
recommend a change of air and scenery. Um, and this is sort of foretelling his, um, you know, his final big trip that he tries to take. Uh, I think, I don't know if I've mentioned, um, there's a great book called Westward I Go Free by Corinne Smith. And it is about his trip to Minnesota. And he goes through, he takes the train um, because his doctor has, um, you know, has run out of options, I guess, and has told Henry to like, go somewhere else, go find another climate. And maybe, you know, you'll get away from the New England winters. Um, So in the summertime, I guess he decides to go to uh, Minnesota which is much better than going in the winter, I guess. Like, I I don't know how long he was planning to stay. Um, And he goes with Horace Mann Jr. Um, I actually am doing a whole other podcast, um, which you can find out about on um, transcendentalconquered.com or on the Facebook page. Actually, go to the Facebook page. I check that and I post there all the time. Um, Horace Mann Jr., he goes on a long trip to Minnesota, um, in May of like 1861 and he gets there and he's coughing like crazy and he's like, forget this, I'm headed back home. And like, you know, he just, he just goes right back home. <laughs> you know, it's like, do you want to do any more sightseeing, Henry? Nope. Going home. Um, so it really didn't work. So I think, you know, this is, This was written in, you know, 1845 to 47-ish, and then edited a whole bunch of times and published in uh, 1854. So um, if he had tuberculosis, um, the the beginnings of it, even then, I don't think that he was thinking about traveling at all. Um, And like a sentence or two later, the buckeye does not grow in New England, and the mockingbird is rarely heard here. Guess what, Henry? We have Buckeye. We have mockingbirds. Um, my mother would talk about hearing the mockingbirds actually feeding off some of the berries in the um, in my backyard. Um, I think it's the buckthorn bush that we have back there. It has these big red berries. And as a child, I was told not to eat them. Um, but the birds eat them and they get drunk. And my mom said, especially the mockingbird, she would... She she heard it one night. She's like, the mockingbird is drunk. Um, and I, I don't, because it was imitating a car alarm or something or doing something that like sounded silly, especially silly to her. And my mother, having grown up in the Azores, knew about nature and she knew the names of flowers and birds and was very attentive to the cycles of the moon. And we used to have this um, there's a Brazilian song, um, Lua, and every single time we would see the moon, especially the full moon, um, she would point it out and we would sing the song. Um, and it's a like a song from Carnival and, and um, you know, it's very, um, very rhythmic and very like exciting. But when she sang it to me, it was a little, it was closer to a lullaby. Lua, Lua. Anyway, so um, I'll let you try to look that up. I I actually haven't found it really online, but um, I believe it does exist out there somewhere. Uh, sorry, rabbit hole. 
distracted. Um, so anyway, so he's, he's talking, Henry's talking about all of the, uh, the wild goose is more of a cosmopolite than we, um, I went to Walden the other day and I saw like people are like, Oh, look for the swans. And I've seen geese there many times. Um, but I saw like a seagull and it's funny. I actually, I see seagulls like everywhere in parking lots and stuff, but I rarely see them in Walden, but I know there was like this lone seagull hanging out at Walden last summer. Um, and I know it was a lone weird seagull because I heard the, uh, the lifeguards talking about it. (laughs) And like, this this little dude just figures he really likes Walden. He was hanging out there. Um, I was reading from the actual book this time. Lately, I've been reading from the actual computer screen, but I went back to the um, my beautiful um, Clifton Johnson edition that has a lovely green cover with like gold um, stuff on it from 1911, I think. Um. Oh, and I wanted to say that something on Facebook just came up. Like he's talking about, you know, the mockingbird and the and the buck, um, the buckeye and all this. Um, deer were not common in his day, and deer have completely overrun Massachusetts and have eaten seventy percent of the species of wildflowers. So, um, of the many things that he would be surprised by, um, he talks about. Oh, he talks about stone walls, and. He, about them make, marking the boundaries. Um, the only time I feel like I ever see stone walls, and because I do a lot of walking in the woods, um, they, like, I don't know if those boundaries are even still good anymore. Um, but I think it's sort of left over from when people were farmers. And it's really strange to be walking in the middle of the forest, forest and just sort of see like a very long line of stone walls um and like on a hill and all these really weird areas um because I think it indicates that that the area was completely cleared at one point um and you know the trees that we have now are all like you know not definitely not um not not original we're not virgin growth forest um, plenty of, plenty of stone walls. Um, when he's in the second paragraph, no, the third, yeah, beyond it, he changes, um, the Latin from Iberos, which means the Iberian Peninsula, which means Spain or Portugal. Um, he switches that to Australian, which I think is interesting. Um, I looked up also the, uh, the origin of Simi's Hole, which is a theory in 1818 that this guy had that the earth was hollow and like the North pole to the South pole, like both had holes in it. And like, you could, I don't know if he thought you could like jump inside and end up on the other side of the world, but that was literally like a theory. Um, the line, the line that he has, um, I left the woods for as good a reason as I came. Uh, Walter Harding says, uh, the immediate reason for T's leaving Walden was that Emerson planned to go abroad on a lecture tour and wanted Thoreau to take over care of his house and family, like you did before um, when he was living. He lives living there when um, John died, his brother. Later in his journal, um, Thoreau confessed 
Why I left the woods, I do not think I can tell. I have often wished myself back. I do not know any better how I ever came to go there. Perhaps if I live there much longer, I might live there forever. One would think twice before he accepted heaven on such terms. Huh. Which, like, I love, like, I get that. If I live there much longer, I might live there forever. Um, there are definitely moments in life where you make this decision and you're kind of like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go or I'm gonna stay. And, you know, little do you know that that's the last time you actually make that conscious choice. You know, like you're, you, you, it's like if he if he had said no, maybe he really would have stayed there forever because, you know, maybe it just never would have come up as an excuse for him to leave again. Um, and I, you know, I I live the next town over, and people are like, "Oh, do do you live in Concord?" And there's part of me that's like, "I'm kind of glad I don't live in Concord because keeping it separate keeps it sacred." too. It's like a very, I was thinking about this the other day, walking around Fairyland Pond. Um, Concord used to be a Sunday afternoon thing for me and my mother, like a once in a, you know, once a week. Um, cause it does feel like time traveling. It just does feel like you're sort of going into a different, um, a different mind space, a different mental space, as well as a different geographic space. Um, and there are people who post that, they only ever go there in the summertime because it's like Brigadoon. You know, they're afraid that it would melt or it would disappear or something like that. Um, so, and I, so, so anyways, so I think part of the reason that um, he understands why he left is also to keep that two years, two months, and two days as a discreet thing that's apart from the rest of his life and that it was a really special time. Um and that, you know, yes, he might want to go back or he might, like, it's very easy to live there for the rest of his life. Um, but because he doesn't, it, it feels a little bit more like a, like a thing. I'll just say that. Uh, he has this line, before my feet wore a path, um, you know, and Walter Harding, uh, who died in 96, who was the president of the Thoreau Society, um, that's why I keep, every time I quote him, it's like, Walter Harding is a real name. So he's a, an important person in the Thoreau scholarship. The path from Thoreau's cabin site to the pond is still there, kept open nowadays by visitors who come from all over the world. Um, when I swim there in the summertime, I will tell you my secret. Um, sometimes I will take a little um, stone and, you know, like I, I literally just have my bathing suit on. And I, I try to put the stone like in my belly button or, you know, like somewhere, somewhere in a place where I'm not going to lose it. And my belly button, I guess, is the safest place. Um, and it's just sort of like silly and funny. Um, and then I swim across and then I will get out at that path from the beach to the, um, to the site of his cabin. And there's a little cairn there. Um, so here's another thing. If you ever come to visit Walden from wherever you are in the world... Bring a tiny little rock and you can add to the cairn. Um, I have brought rocks from Portugal and um, Greece and Detroit. 
um, California, like every time I go to visit someplace, um, in the Azores, I always will bring rocks there. Um, it's also part of like the Jewish, it feels like the Jewish ritual of mourning where you put a stone on somebody's, um, gravestone to sort of participate in the burial. It sort of has that action. Um, but yeah, the path from his cabin to the, um, to the water, like there's, it's funny, there's a little bit of a hill. And, um, so like I said, like I, I come out and I, you know, I literally, I have nothing else, just my bathing suit, like no shoes. And I'm a person who's very like paranoid about stepping on like a bad rock or whatever. Um, but it's all pine needles, which is really lovely. It's like very cushiony, um, to step on. And it's a very, you know, as, as a person who's, like I said, as a person who's afraid of like stepping on the wrong thing or whatever, um, I always feel like it's a very safe, very easy place to walk barefoot. Um, and walk, you know, and it's, you know, it's, it's not that it's right there either. He's, his cabin is sort of set. Um, it's like a two minute walk, you know, it's like, you can see it when you get out of the water, but it's, um, um, you know, not that far away but it's you know if you if you don't like walking barefoot (laughs) no if you feel worse than me you will you will notice it a little bit more um so what else do we have here um seemed to me I had several more lives to live could not spare any more time for that one it's remarkable how easy easily and insensibly we fall into a particular route yeah um Here's the, here's the thing. Get out of your routine. I feel like humans are drawn towards predictability and we really like it, especially as we get older. Um, and if you go online and you read the comments on commons.digitalthoreau.org, you'll see that there, I think there was a class or something where, you know, when COVID first started, the professor asked everybody to comment. So there are a lot of people commenting about things like this of like, yes, you know, I'm six weeks into COVID and, you know, I'm already really bored. And, you know, here we are, February of 2023, and it's still not, still not over. Uh, started March of 2020. Yeah, I was definitely one of the people who's like, 2020 is going to be my year. And uh, yeah, anyway. Um, If one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams, he will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. Yes, 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 yes. Um, If you built castles in the air, that's where they should be. Put the foundations underneath them. I think that this whole conclusion thing, he's, he's, he's kind of wandering around the point a little bit. He's, he's kind of like, yes, have high expectations, do something wild and crazy and just do it. And, you know, like have, have these, you know, like think about what you really want to do. And don't just like, you know, don't just go to college because everybody's going to college. Don't just move away because everybody's moving away. Like, do something that you really want to do. And just go confidently and, you know, live your life the way that you want to. 
preferably not hurting others. Um, there's, um, you know, there's, there's that, there's that weird, um, line, uh, you know, where he's like, it will be, where is it? Um, nobler game to shoot oneself. Yeah. Don't shoot yourself. Um, he's making a joke there. Go live your dreams. Um, because, you know, you're really the only one who can do it. Um, I, I feel like I started Transcendental Conquered just on a complete random whim. Um, the Facebook group, I was doing Shakespeare 2020 and we read through all of Shakespeare. And at the end, people were like, oh, we should do our favorite authors. And I was like, well, you know, I really like Henry, but the Transcendentalists, like that's a whole, those are my favorite authors. So I started a group and people were like, oh, what else are you going to do? And I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll do more. And then I was like, you know what? Let me do a podcast about Walden. Um, I go to the Thoreau Society uh, ever since 2013. And I'm always blown away that there's so many great scholars doing all sorts of really great um, analyses of Thoreau and bring it into the classroom and doing stuff in biology and ecology and activism and environmentalism, like all of these different things. And I was like, I don't, I don't have a PhD in history and I'm kind of a playwright actually. Like I don't see any other playwrights here. Um, and I was like, I don't know how to be a person in this very academic society. Like I don't quite fit in. I don't know quite what I want to do. Um, I like, I kind of want to publish a book about Walden, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't know all of the references and I don't know all the obscure stuff. And, you know, two years ago, I definitely, I couldn't have remembered the first time I had read it, which was probably when I was 14 or something. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say. Um, I, but I trust myself. I realize that I know Walden and I go there all the time. And, um, that's something that I wanted to have out there in the world. So, I highly recommend that you start your own podcast, that you start a blog, that you, you know, write something in Google Docs and you don't have to show it to anybody, but like do it. Um, I know plenty of people. I used to date a guy. I used to date a guy who couldn't really imagine his life outside of his mother and his brother and his mother owned the house that he lived in and you know he had a job for a while and was paying rent and moved out to live with a girlfriend not me some other girlfriend and uh, that didn't work out so he moved back um, and then he never moved anywhere else <laughs> and he was every time I saw him we talked about his mother to the point where like he didn't even I don't know that he didn't realize it or whatever, but he was very frustrated and he just never got out of that cycle. And I also don't think that he, he understood that life could be different even. I, I knew him when he was in his 40s and 50s. And, um, and he was a smart, funny, sweet kind of guy. And, um, you know, it would have been fine if he was living in his mother's house 
it would have been fine in the situation that he was in, but he was kind of really stuck in his own mind. Um, I was, yes, I've known lots of people who are stuck in the ruts of their own mind, wandering a path, and and it's funny that, that uh, there's a lot of um, brain studies that talk about, you know, the more you do something, the more you form a stronger synapse in your mind. Like if you have an association with a memory, your mind is going to, you know, do certain tricks that it's going to go on that same path. Um, and it's going to reinforce all of the associations that you have with it, unless you consciously break the pattern and break the cycle. Um, I love direct your eyesight inward and you'll find a thousand regions in your mind yet undiscovered. Travel them and be an expert in home cosmography. Um, you know, like be your own, be your own Columbus, be your own internal explorer. I love that. Um, cause he's also like, yeah, you know, you don't, don't follow me. Like, why are all these people? And then, and then I also, I think he's talking about, you know, like some people go to Africa to chase a giraffe and like, why, you know, are you, you're trying to run away from yourself? You know, I, my favorite movie is breakfast at Tiffany's or it used to be. Um, and, um, and I say used to be just cause I haven't seen it in a while. Um, but there's a really great line of like the cage is all around you. You keep running into it. The cage is yourself, baby. You know, like the last, the last uh, monologue, um, and to and a completely, completely random tangent about back breakfast at Tiffany's. I think that Mickey Rooney, who does a really horrible impression of a Japanese photographer, he has a terrible accent, and you know he does the whole like I think yellow face, you know, minstrelsy thing. Um, because the movie itself, the world that the movie's in, everybody is a phony. I think that Mickey Rooney is playing a guy who is a phony. I think his character is genuinely American and putting on a terrible accent. And I wish there had been a scene where like something slips or he, you know, he, um, you know, there's a moment when he like puts on his Japanese character or something. Um, cause I think that would have added to the layers of the movie. Um, instead it just, reads as Mickey Rooney just being a very insulting <laughs> character. So that's so if you hear people talking about Breakfast at Tiffany's and that you shouldn't watch it because it has a racist, you know, slur, uh, yeah, there's that. Um, but actually, like, the part of Breakfast at Tiffany's that's not really talked about, and, and actually, like, I think of, I think of the Holly Golightly character as somebody who is kind of, it reminds me a lot of Thoreau, um, because she just, she, she, you know, all of the things she's doing, she actually just wants to have a farm with her brother. She wants to buy a farm in Mexico. And she says, even land in Mexico costs something. So she's essentially not quite, people call her a prostitute, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. She accepts money from men. Um, but she fights off the ones that try to abuse her and attack her. Um, and her, her apartment you know, like she could be this fashion model. She could be somebody who's only caring about, you know, what her apartment looks like and, and everything. And it, it, it always felt like she's, she's always aware of 
putting on costumes and her apartment doesn't have any furniture in it. She doesn't really care, (laughs) you know, like that's, that's what I, that's what I thought of um, when I saw that character. And the most hurtful thing in Breakfast at Tiffany is that she had to get married when she was 13 and nobody ever talks about that. So that is a, I don't think any of these are real spoiler alerts, by the way. Um, See the movie, see what you think of for yourself. Um, It's not the short story that Truman Capote wrote. Um, Films hardly ever are. And that's also probably a reason why Walden has not been filmed. Um, Because there's no way that it could do it. Um, Because, again, like Thoreau is, um, you know, he's, I think of him as like an unreliable narrator. You know, he, he goes there because he, you know, it seemed to me that I had several more lives to live could not spare any more time for this one he's just spent this whole book talking about Walden and how great it is and now he's leaving right and then he's like don't get into a rut even if it's a good rut um you know explore yourself uh I did not wish to take a cabin passage but that's exactly what he did rather go before the mast and on the deck of the world for there I could best see the moonlight amid the mountains moonlight again I do not wish to go below now. What does that mean? To Hades? To hell? Um, Yeah. He, um... It is a ridiculous demand which England and America make that you shall speak so that they can understand you. Yeah. That's the whole point of writing a book. Like, speak so that other people can understand you. Um you know, say, say things that other people want to learn from. Um, I do not suppose I have attained to obscurity. When he published this, he kind of was, he was obscure. Um, I should be proud if no more fatal fault were found with my pages on this score than was found with the Walden ice. Um, and then, you know, Southern customers objected to its blue color, which is actually showing how pure it is as if it were muddy, and they preferred Cambridge ice, which is white, but tastes of weeds. Um, the purity men love is like the mist which enveloped the earth and not like the azure ether beyond. Um, he's saying there, I should, be no, I should be proud if no more fatal fault were found with my pages than were found with Walden ice. People recognize that it's blue. Okay, so it's blue. Henry's writing a book. This is a book that he wrote, you know, like you want it to be a different book, write your own. And this is one of the things I highly recommend to everybody. Write your own version of Walden. I am so interested in the million different aspects of Walden and the different ways that people respond to it and the different histories that people can offer of it. Um, you know, create your own thing and don't worry about being judged. People are going to judge you anyway. <laughs> and they're going to judge you for stupid things. <laughs> like you said, right? Like, it's blue, it's not white. Yeah, but it doesn't taste like weeds. You know, it's like everybody has a fault and whatever. Don't let potential criticism stop you from doing your wild and crazy beautiful thing. Um... Living dog is better than a dead lion. I think that's from Ecclesiastes or something. 
Um, he's a little, you know, talks about pygmies. I don't believe we use that word anymore. Um, let everyone mind his own business and endeavor to be what he was made. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to take a break and then come back with, um, my top takeaways from Walden. See you in two seconds. All right. I'm back. These are my main takeaways from doing this whole Walden podcast for two years, two months, and two days. I uh, I don't think that I knew who I was going to be, where I was going to be, um, what I was necessarily going to get from doing a podcast. And here is here are the lessons I think I've learned in this past time. Number one. Take the book Walden with you when you're hiking, swimming, traveling. Open it up, read a paragraph, put it down, and then discover nature for yourself. That's that's what I thought when I, even before I started the podcast, that was the advice I would give to everybody. I still believe it's true. Um, Don't get bogged down by philosophy or formal style words or words that you don't understand. Um, open it up, read a little bit, put it down and go find nature. Number two, read it out loud. Number three, listen to it. Number four, teach it. Those, uh, that, that section, that's sort of the pattern, right? Like you learn, you hear it out loud and then you teach it and then you learn it twice. Number five, allow yourself to free associate about what his impressions inspire you to think about. That gets back to number one. Read a paragraph. Allow his words to come with you, but, you know, think your own thoughts. Number six, don't get stuck on chapter one. I can't tell you how many people I know who are like, yeah, I've tried to read the first chapter and whatever. If I were Margaret Fuller helping him edit... Uh, if I could talk to him, I would say, you know, put that at the end or like open with the easier chapter. Uh, Shakespeare was better about this. His, his whole thing was like, capture the audience's attention in the first five minutes. Um, otherwise you've lost them already. It took me 12 episodes. I didn't think I was going to get through them. Most podcasts, like, barely make it to five episodes. I, I was like, I just need to finish the first chapter, and then everything else will be smooth sailing. Um, but this is one of those books you don't really have to read all the way through. It doesn't really have a plot. Skip around, read his bio, read about the transcendentalists. This is my whole thing. I, I love biography. And every time I get stuck on reading one of the books of the transcendentalists, I, uh, I'll pick up a biography or a history. Go for a walk. Think about it a little bit more. Number seven, ext- enjoy exploring beyond the text. Allow Thoreau to lead you by the hand to the Greek references and the Bhagavad Gita and all these weird, obscure people who believed these weird, obscure ideas that have been debunked. That's okay. Like, part of science is realizing, you know what? Yesterday we were wrong. Today we tried an experiment and we found out, you know what, that thing doesn't work either. But we've eliminated 
doing these wrong things or we've eliminated these things that no longer make sense. Um, it's important to understand that that's part of the history. Uh, like the part of the history of the world that you're not the first person to make a mistake or to choose the wrong path or to try something that didn't actually work. It's okay. Uh, the important thing is not to forget it. The important thing is to write it down and to read about other people's mistakes and to, to just read history and to just read history of the world and put things in context for yourself. Number eight, go beyond what Thoreau has in the text, the other transcendentalists, the women, his family, the town of Concord, nature, people who were inspired by him. Um, and then the, yeah, the people in the generation since, people that he never even knew directly. Explore the context. Don't be afraid that just because something is set in the middle of the 1800s, that it's so foreign and so removed from you that you're never going to be able to understand the people of that time. Because um, guess what? It's a thought experiment that you need to understand to be an effective human being. You need to understand people in different time periods and in different countries in the world, different situations, and figure out how it relates to you. Um, I think Thoreau and the Transcendentalists and Concord are an especially easy way to get into history. But if your thing is the Civil War, if your thing is you know, Game of Thrones, whatever, like get into it, whatever, and just realize that people have been human this whole time. And, you know, people are not statues and people have emotions and needs and relationships and all these things. And it's marvelous. Um, I know a few too many people who are sort of stuck in the world of the book and everything is only about the text and everything can only be literally what's on the page and you can't really you're, you're not allowed to bring in anything else you have to it's like you're on a desert island you only have this one book you're not allowed to look on the internet to find out what anything means no use the internet go crazy you have ev you have everything actually like you're you're an easier like you being a reader of this book in this time and place is the easiest moment that has ever been because they're used to, you know, you used to not have access to all of these notes and you had to buy a special annotated edition and even then that couldn't help you. But right now you can um, you look at the resources on the internet, talk to people, get in touch with people on social media, go on Twitter, go on Facebook, go, you know, reach out to me. Um, there are a lot of people who are eager, especially like, so if you're a person of color or if you're, you think that you don't come from a literary family or like you love this, but you really, you think you're too young or, you know, you're in another country or wherever, like whatever it is, reach out. Like this is a, this is a good time to be alive. Good time to be a reader of this book. <sighs> Number nine, grief. Um, it is my belief that, uh, the transcendentalists um, really lean deeply into the idea that you have to be able to recover from grief. And the best way to do it is through nature and, and understanding the world around you a little bit better. 
And this gets into, yeah, don't, you don't have to listen to the priests. You don't have to listen to the Bible or your family or your friends who tell you that you can only grieve one way and that you have to do this and you have to be stuck in a ritual or you have to be whatever. It can be just you and nature and it's okay. And nature is going to be the easiest way for you to understand. Like nature teaches us how to die. Nature is a cycle. The trees die every year. The leaves fall. Um, if you can allow yourself the time to take a breath, to stop all your usual routines and allow nature to surprise you. That's, that's a, that, that's what, that's what I think the transcendentalists can be the theory that they can be basically boiled down to. Number 10, record your own voice. Talk to your future self. Talk to 14-year-old you. This is exactly what I was doing. Um, I admit that I talked to my younger self, my 14-year-old version of Tammy. Hi there. You're going to make it. <laughs> You're going to survive all sorts of terrible stuff and have lots of beautiful, wondrous days. And thank God you still have Walden to sort of touch base with. Walden is like my... My Valentine, my, like, this thing that I love, my happy place, my one constant. Um, you know, I feel like everything else can can fall apart, and I, I'm kind of expecting, you know, the world, <laughs> like, there's going to be COVID, and, you know, your, your mom is going to die, and, like, all of these things can happen, but Walden is going to be there, and because... I've been so good about paying attention to this place that makes me happy, to this place that nourishes my soul and that I've been checking in. I feel like, um, you know, letting my younger self know that they're, that I have an, a really excellent coping mechanism and that it's still as vivid and um, stable for me. It's a good thing. Um, number 11, record your loved one's voices. I'm very glad I have a recording of my mom. I wish I had more. Um, but I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. Um, I, uh, I do want to say that, that having a recording and putting it out into the world, um, it gives a certain kind of validation or hearing yourself and then going back and listening to yourself. It, it makes you proud in a way that just writing something down or even like a book. It's this human thing of hearing a voice and responding viscerally to it. Recording the voices are very important and then number 12, a, a sort of a converse. Don't be precious about getting to the meaning of philosophy. Nature is accessible to everyone. If you don't understand the meaning or if you can't buy the most expensive copy, you can. Like, all people, like, get all wrapped up in all these all these things of, like, oh, they need to buy, 
the first edition or fancy leather whatever like the point of the book is the meaning that you take from it um emerson has a really great quote you know the the reader a good reader makes a good book um 13 i always leave 13 blank just because it's an unlucky number and i never like to put anything there number 14 don't take the outdoors for granted Some people just go to exercise or see how fast they can do something. They do laps, jogging, etc. Stop and smell the roses, ponder the sunsets, enjoy the trees. You can learn more from your environment than you think. Um, It's fine to exercise. Exercise is good. But don't go out there specifically to zone out and to sort of like do exactly what you would do in a gym or a controlled environment, like you're, you might not, you might not live among nature the way Henry did, even when he was living in the middle of town, right? Like back then there were, um, I was going to say there were more trees. There weren't more trees. The trees were all, were mostly torn down for firewood. Um, but just pay attention to your surroundings. Like there are the, Henry would pay attention to the ants and the squirrels and the, you know, and the ice. Like, allow yourself to be curious. Allow yourself to kind of go off your your beaten path. Uh, That's number 15. Allow yourself to be surprised. Be open. Number 16. Don't harsh other people's buzzes. Um, If somebody is sort of like, you know, in love with looking at a flower, or if this is how they experience walden or a lake or swimming or running or like whatever it is that they're doing don't tell them that they're doing it wrong um i hope that most of my advice comes out as you know don't do the negative thing do the more open thing so i didn't mean to to be mad at anybody who does laps or jogging or anything like that um i just would encourage you to default to being open Um, and don't yell at people if they are in the zone and they're not paying attention to the roses that's okay too like for the most part just don't interfere with other people (laughs) what was that last that one of that last lines leave other people alone each person to themselves (sighs) number 17 walden is a holy place and it is just a pawn and it is representative of all of nature, and it is tied to a book, and it is every pond. Visit it if you can, but don't imagine that it is unique. You can find your own Walden. Um, and don't, like, torture yourself if you can't get there, or, you know, be like, I'm going to stay inside for the rest of my life just because I can't be a Walden. Like, find your own, find your own space that makes you happy. Find your own happy place. And number 18, that all said, visit it more than once. Spend time and hang out. Don't treat it like an Instagram tourist spot. Don't force your family members there if they're miserable. Go there in every season. Explore the paths around it. Go to the deep cut if you can. It's so cool and bizarre. Hang out and conquer it. See how close it is. Understand who his neighbors were. Even the busybodies and the townies and the farmers and the fishermen. And especially the African Americans and the ghosts and the animals. Like, Walden is, as much as I love Thoreau, much as I love you, Henry, 
I feel like there's a lot of Walden that you left out. And I'm still, every day, I discover more. And it's wonderful. Number 19, don't think of uh, Thoreau as a stereotype. Don't put any dead writer on a pedestal or assume a person is only one thing during their entire lifetime. I think that too many people, um, you know, sort of just dismiss him because he's not alive, you know, or they dismiss him because other people love him, um, which is kind of dumb. But it happens all the time. <sighs> uh, number 20, read his journals. If you liked Walden, he's got two million more words for you in his journals. 21, make your own Walden wherever you are. 22, close that book. Look around you. 23, trees and animals and weather and seasons and your observations. It's all valid. Even if your aunt gets mad like his aunt did, write things down, ask questions, learn on your own. Let this book help you for not, and don't let people get mad at you for not reading Chalmers and just watching frogs all day. His aunt got mad at him and was like, he's not reading Chalmers like I told him to. He's just watching frogs. Um, number 24, be proud to find your own way of living without judgment. 25, Thoreau didn't want fame or a statue or to be holier than thou or to be a hermit or to one-up anyone. He might've been on the spectrum even. Um, some of his passages might feel very emotionally cold instead of empathetic. Don't judge him harshly. 26, if you want a thing to exist... You're looking for a podcast read by a woman, read by somebody who cares and who's been near Walden and can talk about it now. That's totally why I did this podcast. Then create it yourself. If you want a book to exist and you can't find it, write it or a podcast or a movie or an image, a painting. Create it yourself. All right, 27. Here's like career advice. Do a thing, hopefully something that you're good at keep doing it. Hopefully get better at it. Get feedback. See if it's useful to the world. See if you like what you do. Do it a lot so that you might do an especially good one or have a perspective about it. Corollary, also do a lot of stuff so you can throw out the less than perfect stuff and the stuff that's good is going to rise to the surface. Be a 60-year overnight sensation. Bonnie Raitt just won a Grammy and she was totally shocked and everybody's like this unknown country singer and you know what 30 years ago in the 90s when she won a bunch of Grammys everybody was like this unknown country singer she's been around since like the 60s and 70s she's been playing for a long long time uh do that and don't care about the awards that you win and then who knows people will shove awards at you maybe or you know what's even better there could be just one person who's like, I totally love what you do. And then they're going to be inspired to do something. And then, you know, that's what I really feel like life is about. Inspiring other people and connecting. And here's, so the, here's the last one of my top 10 takeaways. Here's number 28. Write your own Walden. Record your thoughts, even if it's only for your future self or not even that. Transform your ideas from one format to another. Get it out of your head and onto paper or paints or onto a graph of a daily rainfall. Like whatever your medium is, do it and be fabulous at it. We have one more episode left. Look at transcendentalconquered.com. Go on Facebook. I will see you 
on the next episode. It's going to be the last where I'm reading, but I can't guarantee it's going to be the last I ever put out there because I might do a check-in episode every now and then. I might do a review of like the annual gathering or something, but it will be the end of the book. It's going to be really sad for me. Um, I really, I know there are people out there listening because every time I put out a podcast, I look the next day and a whole bunch of people have listened to it. So thank you for listening. I appreciate it. See you next time. All right. So I am at the top of the ramp walking down from the road, which is 126, Route 126. And um, I've been checking in with a few of the lovely people, the rangers here at Walden. They're lovely people. They can't um, actually volunteer their voices because they're not allowed to be spokespeople. Um, But one of the things I wanted to point out, can you hear the cars? Um, when we actually get to the beach, you can't hear them because it's, it's weird. We're walking into the Kettle Pond area. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention, the ramp, it was designed for cars and like is a fire um, access accessibility thing. But the ramp is a very, very steep ramp. So if you are coming, I mean, like it's not, it's not too bad if you're walking, um, but if you are coming with a wheelchair, or a stroller or any other kind of um, accessibility aids. Just be aware of that. And also be aware that the rangers have wanted it to be remodeled and fixed for years. And everybody's sort of fighting, you know, to make things better. But Massachusetts has been very weird about making sure that um, everybody gets proper funding. So when you visit, try to be, try to err on the side of being kind, especially to the rangers who do their best with the little that they have to work with in terms of monetary resources, but they definitely have a lot of emotional resources (laughs) that uh, we were were joking that like, you get paid in sunsets. All right, so I'm here at the bottom of the ramp and there's a bunch of stairs in front of me. There's a path to around, around the pond to my right and the beach is sort of on my left and the sand is in front of me and I'm looking out at the at the pond and there's a whole bunch of ice um to about like I can see the edge of it it's maybe I don't know 30 or 40 feet out and I can see a whole bunch of ducks um and I need to look closer because I've actually heard that there are like swans. Um, one of the rangers, I think, counted like 20 swans the other day. And swans don't usually hang out in a group like that. Usually they're only like in pairs or like two or three of them. And they're very territorial. So um, also it has stopped raining, but I do have an umbrella. And one of those people is like, um, I was just talking to one of the rangers and they said that she said that, um, congratulations on coming to Walden on one of my favorite kinds of days. Cause like a rainy day is also a beautiful time to be at Walden. Um, so yeah, it looks like there are, I want to say like eight ducks. They're kind of far away. They do seem white. Oh, some one of them's flying. It looks like it might be a Canadian goose. Uh, 
Sorry to disappoint you. Sorry to disappoint myself. Um, flying towards me. Let's see if we can identify it a little bit better. And it's a seagull. Ha <laughs> ha. All right. Okay, so we have seagulls. <laughs> we have Canadian geese and the seagulls hanging out in the, on the ice. Um, so when it is windy, you can hear the ice, um, banging around and here I have an umbrella, so it's kind of a little mushy, um, in one of the, one of the chapters that we're reading, we heard about how it, um, it looks like a honeycomb and there are bubbles in the ice. Um, this is not something that I would trust walking on some of it looks as if it's um so okay there i'm there i'm breaking through um it kind of looks wet and mushy and there are puddles um that poor that poor seagull is walking around i hope he doesn't get frozen in um there are like i said there are swimmers that come here that will purposely break the ice so they can swim in the cold water good for them I, uh, I, I swim across in the summertime and I generally stop in the middle of October. I think I mentioned, um, I don't think the other, uh, ducks are, um, seagulls. I think they are some kind of ducks. So I'm on the main beach right now. There is another single person walking around. Um, that's the only other person I've seen or that I can see on the beach. Um, this side of the pond didn't really exist as a beach when Henry was here. Um, Thorson says that he, it was just all rocks and stuff. Um, I was thinking the other day that Brister Freeman must have come to visit Walden. Um, but there is a, like the Thoreau Emerson Amble. When you cross route two, um, it's sort of the, it's now an accessible path that's not really maintained, but it's not... Um, and it's not really paved, um, but it is a flat um, path that leads to the cabin. So Brister Freeman probably accessed the pond that way. Although there's part of me that's like, you know, if you know anything about something called paths of desire, where, you know, there's the intentional road, the intentional path, and then there are the paths that people will just break through just because they want to. Um, so I'm sure there was like a path of desire where somebody, um, not necessarily Brister Freeman, but like anybody who's on the road who wants to go to Walden, like the shortest distance between two points is straight line. So you're going to, they're going to bushwhack their way down to the water if they want, even if the, even if it was sloped and rocky, like they would, they would find a way. Um, and so I'm looking at the bathhouse, which is a lovely, very old structure, and, um, uh, again, like this is something that they've been wanting to rebuild for years and they haven't, but there are bathrooms there. So let's go further on the, on the far side is, uh, or the far side of this beach is the boat ramp. So if you have a canoe or something, you can go there. Um, and like I said, nobody else is really here on the water. Can you hear the birds? kind of off in the distance. Yeah. So, uh, seagulls flying away. So he wasn't frozen. 
onto the onto the ice. Um, the shore is um, like looking around to the opposite side. I feel like I see all these gray deciduous trees, right? Just the skeletons, like broken umbrellas, like Sondheim would say, um, and a lot of pine trees. And uh, some trees which are keeping their leaves, but they're all brown and gray. So it's sort of, it's one of those very gray days. Um, and it's a little cold. Uh, and anyway, I just sort of wanted to give you a few moments of being on the actual shores of Walden Pond. Because most of the reading that I've been done has been from my nice warm house. Um, but I went for a nice, lovely walk, actually, um, if you access, um, I did this, I did the same walk last week, um, if you access Walden Woods from Sudbury Road, there's a, um, a landmark called Old Chimney, right, like I mentioned, um, so I did that walk again today, and then I sort of broke away from the rest of the group, and a friend and I went, and we discovered, uh, a relocated the racetrack, and I think I might have mentioned uh, Walden was sort of turned into a little amusement park in 1868. And um, there was a, uh, you know, Ice Fort Cove, which is like directly across the pond from where I am right now. Um, Ice Fort Cove had all these like tables of psychic mediums <laughs> and all sorts of like really funny people, funny things. Um, and on the other side of the railroad tracks, um, I can imagine there's all sorts of other things like a carousel and whatever. Um, but there's a little racetrack for dogs. It's like a quarter mile track. Um, go and visit it and you'll notice that it's very intentionally this ovoid shape. Um, and my friend and I also found like a teepee made out of um, uh, branches. Just sort of collected and sort of created like into a, a shelter. So we found it there. Um, I had also found two more structures like that in Brister's Woods. So I, I think somebody is living out here intentionally. And maybe it's just in the summertime or whatever. And um, maybe it was even a few years ago and things just haven't like um, fallen apart or nobody has taken them apart. Um, but it's one of those things where, you know, I personally would not because I know that there are bears and wild animals and stuff out here. Um, but, you know, good for them, frankly. <laughs> I'm kind of on their side. I think that that's awesome. Um, and, you know, because uh, it, it's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't look like there's a fire nearby. They didn't leave anything inside. Um, it's just all these sticks sort of created, um, piled against each other into, like I said, like a teepee shape or like a triangle type shape. Um, in the woods where... You know, not enough people go anyway, so here they are enjoying, um, enjoying Walden Woods. All right, so we're on the beach. Can you hear the, yeah, the birds. I wanted to give you a little bit of sound, like chickadees, I think. Can you hear the sound of the sand? That's me on the edge of my umbrella. Um, so yeah, come to Walden if you ever get a chance. Come in person. It's really beautiful here um, at all times of year. And 
um, it's just a really it's a lovely place for contemplation and thank you very much for coming with me as I have contemplated said all these things out loud um, the, there's a stone wall on the beach on the right hand side of the, of the beach and I will tell you right now that that's my personal when I was 14 with me and my mom and my friends that's where we would camp out that's where we would put all of our stuff that was our prime prime real estate so whenever I look at this beach that's what I think of um, this past year I spent a lot of time on the secondary beach which is Red Cross Beach but I'm always you know to this day I'm looking for my mother waving because she would see me she would see me swimming across she would stand up and do like a big big wave wanted to make sure that I saw her the same kind of wave that she did when she was sitting in the very back when I uh performed like first grade Christmas pageant or whatever she stood on the chair and she waved she's like I'm here I'm here so that's what I that's what I imagine I still see I, I imagine I'm when I'm swimming and I'm looking back at the shore that my mom is still here and I uh I believe her spirit is still here as I believe Henry's is and you know this is just a it's a magical place and it it's hard to put this pond into words um the important thing is to just visit it and touch base with it and exist alongside of it so thank you for existing alongside with me cheers take care <laughs>